This episode is proudly sponsored by Chronologic. By the time you contact a buyer with calls and emails, someone using Chronologic has already held the meeting. Learn more about how to harness the power of AI scheduling at scale. Visit chronologic.com at the link in the show notes. We can cut the small talk to get to the real talk based on our, our shared interests or our, our like-minded things. Like, I think that's the thing that conversations do, that they cut through sort of like the crap so that you can get to the real talk and the real connection. That's what I love about podcasting. That's what I love about conversation is that it actually creates human connection at a clip that you can't get in any other marketing channel. I'm Scott Logan, and we're Making Fun of Marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this kind of unique edition of Making Fun of Marketing podcast, because we actually have Rachel, who runs a production company that runs this podcast, and we're going to talk about podcasting. And everyone is curious about it. I was curious about it, so I started one. We'll get into that, of the hows and the whys and all that. Like always, like and subscribe to the channel, and there's more episodes on chronologic.com forward slash podcast. Uh, here we have Rachel who runs the Share Your Genius podcast. She's going to share some insights on the hows, the whys, and the whats. So we'll open up with the question everyone on the marketing side wants to know, or they've already contemplated this. Should we have a podcast and why is it worth it? So the answer is you should absolutely have a podcast, but the outcome that of you attach- you'd that. Well, you should like if every if you believe you should have a blog as part of your content stack, then you absolutely should have a podcast. Absolutely. That's a good point. Now, why you do it can vary and that why can determine the production value and effort and investment you put into it. So those are my caveats. But you absolutely should have a podcast, especially in the age of AI and especially in this deep rooted desire for people to understand more about your brand on a human level, you've got to have a point of voice is the way that I think about that. Interesting. Yep. And to the blog point, when's the last time that I actually went and read someone's blog versus when's the last time I listened to a podcast episode? Can't remember the last time I read a blog, but I'm writing them with the purpose of SEO for the site. However, I'm consuming content now in podcast form. So I definitely see that, that point of view. When you go to make the podcast, there's a few trains of thought. The reason why you might not is because you think it's all this work, which is not not work, but then the production level quality, you're not even in your studio, obviously. You're not even like at your own house right now. Is that correct? It's correct. And I'm not even mic'd up, which is ridiculous because to your point, we run a production studio and you would think that I should have all the bells and whistles to be able to have a good conversation with you. And the reality is I'm a human everywhere I go and I can have a conversation with you no matter where I go. And the sound quality is pretty good. I mean, I have a, a not expensive mic on my desk here, but your audio is going through the computer and it sounds just fine. I would say I do notice a difference when someone has a really nice mic versus when I hear my mic or a computer audio. It sounds like a late night DJ, but uh, <laughs> which is kind of cool too. However, I also don't think that it's really needed to have a big elaborate setup. But of 
the customers of yours who run podcasts through yours? How many have an elaborate setup versus not? So we definitely recommend that you have a professional quality mic so that you can capture a more rich sound. And A, it makes you look more professional. It builds that credibility as like a podcast host, things like that. So all of our clients have a setup, which is why we're making fun of me and the fact that I do not have a setup in front of me right now. And I actually should. But you can still get good quality sound on the go, too. Yeah. I noticed that the professional folks like to make it seem like they're in a, a big studio or maybe they created their own mini studio. But I'm always wondering, do I have the mic, if you're watching this on video, in front of me like this? Maybe the audio is a little bit better. And is it important that they like see the mic there because it looks cool or even like attach it to my wall and have it hanging down <laughs> from the ceiling? Does that make a difference? So let's let's let me ask you this question first. So when you decided to invest in creating a podcast, what were you hoping to achieve by doing so? The main thing is just brand awareness and get our thought leadership out there because we have a unique point of view, though I didn't want it to be salesy and basically working with my marketing team and realizing that half the time we're just making fun of the stuff that we see out there, whether it be our industry or a, a related industry. And we thought those are the most interesting conversations of our one-on-ones and of our team meetings. So let's just make that the podcast, make that the vehicle in order to push things through. And so that, that was the trigger that made us think, okay, now we have all the pieces together. Let's actually investigate this seriously. So what do you hope, if I didn't know you at all, what do you hope that I felt when I showed up to this conversation today with you? That you could listen to that conversation that you have with your teams to basically say, okay, I'm not the only one who feels that. I'm not the only one who thinks that's ridiculous, but I don't necessarily know the better way to do it. So I'm not going to publicly make fun of it because I don't want to say I'm a complainer and I don't have an answer. So the point of this is to say, all right, Let's then show that better point of view. Let's bring an expert on who knows the better way or is on the bleeding edge of that so that you can work towards it and it becomes entertaining because of that dynamic. Okay, last question and then I will answer yours. What would you hope that my first impression is as a guest coming onto the show and seeing you? That this is hard and it is confusing and complicated, but it is also fun and there are better ways to do things that you may not have thought of before that you can just start using right away. I want that so, to be the first impression. Okay. So then I would say with that information, a couple keywords popped out to me that you said, which was like expert, fun, thought leader. And so if I'm sitting here going, is it worth me showing up and looking professional with a mic in front of my face so that they feel like this is going to be produced? Then the answer is yes. Because I want them as my guests, as my listener, as my audience to know that you took enough time to be prepared with a good setup so that our conversation on your side is always going to be good. They know that I'm going to get this produced. So this isn't just like a, a cover for a sales conversation. You see what I'm saying? And then I take myself seriously, but I'm still willing to have fun with you. So my mic's not in my face, <laughs> like, like where I'm bumping into it. I don't have like all this headset on. So I'm approachable in the way that we're producing this content together. But I took enough time to invest in a mic, invest in a professional looking setup. So I would say to answer your question then, you should as a host, think about that first impression that your guest is gonna have 
when you invite them into your quote unquote studio, virtual or not. Interesting. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. It was also kind of happenstance or coincidence, or if you think there are no such things as coincidences, my office quote unquote studio is actually paneled with Mel Brooks movies or three of my favorite Mel Brooks movies, which he's, you know, the king of satire. And I think maybe that's just my personality and everything aligns to that. But you could even go that that far as as far as like, what is your background? What's your scenery? What are, are you in a studio? Are you just in your work world? Where is it? Because I think on I even saw a post on LinkedIn the other day where it's like, what ads are working right now on LinkedIn on, on any social media channel? And someone is doing testimonials where the person is literally just walking their office with a phone, giving their off the cuff opinions of the product and what they were able to achieve with it. And they broke it down and said, there's movement to keep it interesting. She's just walking through her office. So it seems like, oh, I can relate to that because I walk in the front door of my office every day. I'm not in a studio and it's relatable because you can say, oh, what she's talking about is the topic or are the problems that I face too. And it just connects the dots all together. So I guess finding that blend of can they place themselves in your shoes? in more than just the words if they are watching it on video or maybe watching the video clips from it. Yes, I think there's like two really key things there that you're talking about. It's like people are so hungry to see the humans behind the brands and the products that they're touting and representing. And so when you place somebody in a home studio, for example, just to lean into ours more, there I'm already getting a snapshot of who you are as a person. And I already know that I feel more comfortable around you. I can relate to you on X, Y, or Z. And that is like critical in this age of like mass content, mass communication, mass blah, blah, blah. Realistically, we're looking for individual connection. And so it's yep. like your studio, your space can actually help create that. And it's like, like, that's what people are hungry for. And so have a mic for sure, but have a setup that's intentionally designed for you. And if you're going to create a podcast, make sure it's authentic to who you are and who your brand is and what your what your goals are instead of trying to do something that like, fits the box or checks the boxes of what you have to do. Interesting. Yeah. Before I got into marketing, I was in field sales and my director said, okay, when you go into these offices, observe the room and find out what you can relate to them with, whether it be you both have kids or they both have sports memorabilia or they have pictures of a vacation and you can, and you've been there too, or you want to go there. It doesn't matter if you've been there and you can ask them about that and I've only had that called out on me one time where I was with another director of sales and he goes, I get what you're doing. You don't need to small talk about my life. Let's just get to it. So you can stop making personal connections with the room. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, and first of all, I hate small talk. I hate small talk. But the idea of going, what do you love about Mel Brooks movies? And you're like, well, he's satire, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, oh, that's funny. That's, that's who you are. So I can now make a dumb joke with you and you're not going to be offended. Like, so we can cut the small talk to get to the real talk based on our, our shared interests or our, our like-minded things. Like, I think that's the thing that conversations do, that they cut through sort of like the crap so that you can get to the real talk and the real connection, which to your point to that guy, he was like, dude, I'm not interested in small talk. And you're like, game on, brother, let's go. <laughs> like, we're just going to talk yeah. about what you want. Like, that's real talk, you know? So that's, yeah. that's what I love about podcasting. That's what I love about conversation is that it actually creates human connection at a clip that you can't get 
in any other marketing channel. Yes, agree. So now we've covered, should you have one? What are the <laughs> barriers or the barriers you think exist that maybe don't exist or aren't needed? And then now it's like, does it make a difference? Does it, what, what KPIs are we looking at? Where, where can we show the value that this is working or this is not working? So what kind of questions do you ask people like me when they say, well, is it worth it? So I, I always just go back to asking more questions because if we're focused on, so first of all, if we're focused on the materials of making a podcast as a barrier to entry, then you're focused on the wrong thing. Like getting, looking up the Google top 10 ways to launch a podcast, you have your checklist of things that you need to do. That content has been created. It's not hard to figure out. The boardroom conversation, we, we have this formula and it's out, it's impact plus outcome equals buy-in. And so it's your job as a, as the leader from the marketing side, making the decision of whether or not to invest in a podcast to be able to tell the right story to get the buy-in that you need, because it's never actually about a podcast. If you're going to your board and they don't understand why you're doing a podcast, then you failed. Then you don't actually don't know how to talk about what marketing does to help you generate sales. If you can't do that, the podcast is a tactic as part of a part of a strategy. So if you can't create the narrative around the strategy of your marketing, that's going to dr drive to the outcomes that the board cares about. You got to go back to school a little bit and have some conversations and get really clear on that. Outside of that, the formula that we really think about is we go impact plus outcome equals buy-in. So in my world, I think there's three things at any given time that a company is looking to make impact on. Those three things for me are brand affinity, their revenue and relationship, and it's recruiting and retention. Those three things are always at play for a company. It's just what season are you in that that matters the most. And then your, your content, your marketing, all of that has to roll into that. So your impact that you're looking to make is one of those three things. And then the outcome that you're looking to create that drives that impact are the things that allow you to make the right decision. So outcome statements could be something like, if we said, if we just, let's just use a really, really easy one to revenue. So the impact I want to make is I want to drive more revenue opportunities by building relationships. So the outcome that I'm going to attach that impact effort to would be things like, I'm going to spend time developing strategic relationships with people who can either buy from me or connect me to people I want to buy to. That's, that is literally my, my sort of plus. And then my equal would be the way that I'm going to measure whether or not this podcast effort is successful in helping me reach that, like that goal is that if I'm going to produce and I'm going to spend the investment of producing 24 podcast episodes, out of those 24, 12 of those are going to fit our ICP target. Six of those are going to have a, like, you know, a reach to our target that we want to hit. And the other six are going to be customers because I want to make sure that I'm getting the story of how our clients are working with us anyway. That's like a quick, pretty quick sort of like formula to help you reach that goal and get that buy-in. So then your board members go, oh, okay, I see the clear path. I see that this show is going to help you have these conversations with the people that you want to do business with anyway, or that are going to help us get our name out there and connect to the people we want to do, get in front of. That's going to help us drive revenue and relationships. You see what I'm saying? Yep. A much better answer than, well, our competitors have podcasts too. <laughs> like who cares? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and one of the main things that we wanted to do was drive awareness for Chronologic and get in front of the sales and marketing leaders who are looking to do things differently. And we thought, well, you know, 
basically pointing a finger at everything we're doing and saying, is this stupid or is this the right thing to do is key to all that. And we just reviewed our, our website metrics yesterday with my CEO and about six to 7% of all website traffic after only a quarter of this podcast production is sourced from the podcast, going to the podcast page, going to different episode pages. And then of the people who are sourced from that, over half of the next click traffic is going to our homepage, which is the exact goal of what we were trying to get at was, well, then are they learning about Chronologic through this channel? And those website click-through metrics are showing just that. Over half the people, when they click something else after that initial land, are going to the homepage and learning about us. That certainly checked the box. I didn't know if that was even going to happen. I didn't even know if, you know, it was going to be interesting enough to even drive people to to listen to the podcast. But then, you know, is the traffic going that way? And I think that on the individual side, the the team and the sales team and the marketing team and the CS team taking advantage of that as well can drive traffic to your own LinkedIn page. Because oftentimes I, I know that my requests for getting connections has skyrocketed. Like people are randomly asking from what seems to me randomly asking for a connection request. And I always ask, Hey, what brought you to the page? What brought you to my LinkedIn profile? And it's the content. And a lot of my content is now focused on snippets from the website or from the, the podcast or, or other things that are related to the theme that we have. For that matter, it, it is driving that awareness that we were looking for when it like gets down to the actual metrics. Well, and I'll say, Scott, like the difference between you and somebody who was probably like just saying my competitors are doing it, so I have to do it, is that you took the time to be really intentional about this is this is an experiment. I want to see if it's going to work. I have a hunch and a gut feeling that this is going to help us generate the content we need to drive the traffic, drive the conversation, et cetera. But you were intentional about it from an enablement perspective, too, like internally, like it wasn't something you did all by yourself in a corner and just hoped later that it would do something. And a lot of times I see that happen all the time, not with podcasts, but with content programs in general. And it's like consistency matters, intentionality matters, and being able to track the right metrics that help you know if it's trending towards the success that you want is critical to having those tough conversations. Yep. And also, I think that I do this in marketing campaigns when we're running it. We'll bring in the sales leaders to help plan it. We'll bring in the executive team. If it's a larger scale, high cost campaign, we'll bring them in to plan it. And I remember one of our, you know, maybe third conversation we had, we actually brought in my CEO and my CRO to say, here's the direction we're going, here's the branding, here's the theme, here's the sample guest list of who we're going to bring to it. And they were all fairly high profile or large following folks and they were bought in. And so it hasn't been so much of a defend yourself. It's uh, well, how's it going? And yeah, collaboration. And yeah, the collaboration. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think that's critical. Like in today's world, it's like you have to collaborate with the people that are in your company, in your brand. Like, I don't believe the future of content is X, Y, or Z. I believe the future of brand growth is the people within it. And so it's like them kind of in like, I don't want to say blessing you or whatever, collaborating with you to say, yeah, let's get on the mic and bring your personality to life because that is in line with our brand value at Chronologic. Like that's like a no brainer. You you should be successful in doing this then. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's the future. It's like enabling the people that are in your four walls, virtual or not, to like 
actually tout the brand and love it and be excited yeah. about it and create the content. Like who knew? Yeah. Unbiased for you first, when you're looking at the guest list to help drive that message, what is the core suggestion you have for going down that road of like putting your proposed guest list together? So it goes, it kind of goes back to, well, what's the outcome of the show? Right. But let's just, let's say, what are the, what's kind of a, a rule? Like I kind of think of it as like a rule of three. There has to be like three things that the guest fits my thing. One is I straight up like them, like in liking it, liking matters because you want to be able to like enjoy the conversation that you're having, whether you know them or not. Like you have to just like, yeah. <laughs> like them. Number two, what's their, what is their reach? Do they have a reach that makes sense for me? And you have to remember podcasting is a sea of niches. So when you think about that, it's like, it doesn't mean they have to have hundreds of thousands of following, but it's like, is the reach of who they're around fit the people that I want to be out in front of because of what we're trying to move forward from a, from a company perspective? So do I actually like them? What is their reach? Does it make sense for us? And then the third sort of criteria is like, what are they saying right now? And that is yeah. important because you don't want to attach your brand to somebody that might not be saying the thing that aligns with what you're focused on doing. But the other thing is like, do they say anything at all? Because if they're like quiet yeah. on their feed, then you know that like, they're not going to share my show. Like they don't share anything. They don't talk about anything. So why would I have them on? So those are some of the things that I would think about when I'm crossing that, that boundary. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's awesome too. One of the top episodes that we have is the Jay Bear Justin Keller one with Jay Bear's Jay Bear. He's the guy yeah. for content, and then Justin Keller is the revenue leader at Drift, and they have a good dynamic together. You teed that up as a suggestion for us and and got that rolling, but it was on the alignment side great because his newest research report and and all his content is based around speed. And speed is the best differentiator for customer service, for marketing, for sales. If you can be the fastest one to respond to your customers with the best quality answer, the products are so similar out there that that's going to be the differentiator versus the product itself. I think that that too, if you just hear someone talking about something that you want to align to, reach out to them, right? And see if they want to talk about that. They probably want to evangelize what they're talking about in more channels, right? Absolutely. And I mean, I think the, the, the last thing I'll say is like a, a, a sort of in parentheses, because it would be a number four, not part of my rule of three, is like I said, like, and that matters. There's this piece that we forget that's like, you have permission to do what you want. And so you might just want certain people because you want to. And like, that's also okay. So if you were being programmatic around your content schedule and your plan and things like that, you might bucket, you know, a little handful that's in that fourth category of like, I just want them. And like, you're allowed to just want certain people. <laughs> Who knows what that conversation could unfold? Who knows what you guys could talk about? But you're allowed to want some, certain things too. And a lot of podcasts, I see that folks will have their internal people on like their CFO, their CRO, their CMO, their whatever market you're selling to, they'll have them and, and a lot of those people as guests on the show. What would you say on doing that, not doing that, overdoing that on having 
your own company's people on there. Because when you think, oh, our message needs to get out there, our CTO knows exactly what needs to be said and obviously aligns to what we do. But what are some of the the caveats with that and when or when you don't do that? You know, my first thing I'm going to say is, well, it depends on the outcome you're looking to achieve. Stop saying but, that. But, <laughs> Just- but, <laughs> but what I will say is like, if you have an external audience, if your show's primary audience is external, then I would not have all of these people from my company on the show. If your audience is internal, meaning you want people, again, to like understand your company and who the people are and what you guys care about, absolutely. Have everybody on your company interviewed. You should totally do that. Capture the stories of the people. But if you have an external audience and you're filling up your guest list with all of these people internally, I would be like, are my internal people like freaking rock stars? Are they so charismatic? Are they super engaging? Do they tell amazing stories? Are they great to like experience? Then yeah. But I'm not going to lie. Most of the time, that's not the case. Most of the time, they're in their lane and doing the thing they need to be doing. And you don't need to spend time with them on the mic. Now, if you want like a couple sound bites from them because they're the only ones who can talk about a certain thing, then do that. But don't anchor an entire episode on an interview with somebody who can't carry the day. Like there is a thing called talent and not everybody has it. Yeah. And I think that there might be an exception if you have someone internal who is famous in your industry, then I think it's yes. a no-brainer. If for they're sure. a thought leader. They, yeah. Yeah. But, th- but that's where you go, maybe that person should be the host. Or maybe I source that yeah. person for a segment, like a recurring segment, as opposed to like relying on them to carry the day. Because, let- I mean, I don't know, like, I'm not trying to be like rude, but like some people are not good at carrying conversation if you have a conversational driven podcast. Like, you know I'm right. Some people just aren't, and that's okay. But like you have to shape the design of your show to to use the best, to get the best out of people as opposed to forcing them into something that isn't actually going to represent your brand in the best way. Yeah, we didn't even talk about who should be the host, but that's a good point. If you do have that thought leader and they are well-known and, and have their own brand, perhaps they are the host, then it's a no-brainer. But I really like the idea of even having that person run a segment that they bring in that perspective for every episode to your guests. So that, that's a unique idea. I like that. I'll tell you this quick story on that is we have a client who they do more like consulting, more like severe, severe oh, it's a word when you're like really smart, really high intellectual thing. They had, they have a host that's a talent, has a great personality, all that kind of stuff. And then they had their consultants come on and do an actual just segment so that they could solve a problem in real time, do the thing that they do best. And by doing that, a prospect heard that episode and sold the deal sold because they had been like they had gone cold so they knew all about the company but they were like i just don't feel like it's right now it's not it's a timing thing it's not urgent they listened to that episode and that consultant do the thing that they're good at on the show and they immediately closed the deal because they were like yes that's what i need it brought the product and it brought the company to life and the company was so smart to do it in a way that was like i'm going to maximize my talent that's the host who can engage and drive and be charismatic. And we're going to use our thought leaders strategically as opposed to trying to force them into a box. Interesting. Interesting. And that brings up another point with the flywheel like of content where you have a blog or a research report or the podcast, and that can be the flywheel for other pieces of content that can be used. And you used the example just now where that clip from that podcast was sent to that person and that got them over the hump to move forward with closing the deal. 
the whole point of marketing is to make deals easier for sales. So in that motion, what are some of the best flywheel pieces of content that can be created off of that? So we have this beautiful little graph that I'm happy to share with anybody. But if you think about your podcast as a piece of pillar content, what should come from that piece of pot, like from that p- pillar content is a video, a transcription that can be turned into a blog as social posts, video clips, like that can be repurposed for TikTok, IG Reels, LinkedIn, et cetera, thought leadership articles. So you can turn that transcription into an actual like authored piece of content, depending on who you have on there. Email copy, branded social copy that gets sent and edited, repurposed for the guest that comes on, the brand itself and the host. So you have point of view being created from all of that content as well. And then graphics. So you can create additional pieces of like standalone graphics or animated graphics, et cetera. Like you can create a ton of content from one well done episode. I said well done intentionally because like we said at the front, you don't have to have all the fancy gear to make it great, but you do have to have intentionality around the topic, the focus and the content you're going to create. Just like AI, if the inputs suck, the outputs suck. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, just like that, if you're creating good inputs to create that content, it can be your flywheel in terms of feeding all of your other channels. Like, wow, like it is the Swiss army knife of marketing. Yeah, that's great. If you like with any marketing campaign, if the list isn't good, doesn't matter how good the campaign is. If the list That's is right. great, but the campaign sucks, well, then it's probably not going to resonate and you're going to have bad results. You have to have both garbage in, garbage out, as they say. Yeah, totally. So that actually could probably be, as I was hearing you say that, that's like an infographic that I could create or we yes. could create on like the flywheel of what to create off of a podcast episode. That's fantastic. Let's end with what's new in podcasting. Is it, there's a formula now for it. What should we be looking for on what to do with podcasts? What's your opinion there? So I think it's still a little bit of the wild, wild west because people sit on two sides of a coin where it's like, it has to be the best thing ever and grab all the attention and have all the resonance in the world. Like Zapier just launched a podcast. It's amazing. It's, but that's not a podcast. That's brand storytelling done as, as an art form. So it's like, you don't have to attach your wagon to say, we have to invest a million dollars to get something so amazing. I have no idea what Zapier invested, but I'm just saying like, it doesn't have to be to that scale, but it also doesn't need to be like, I'm just going to jump on a mic and ramble and hope somebody listens because that's not going to get the outcome that you, you want to achieve either. And so I think that there's the in-between that people still haven't wrapped their arms around. Like you can create amazing content on an affordable budget with a team that can help you or not internally or not is my point. And it still help you achieve what you want. Like that is a thousand percent true. Video, it's no longer like, should we use video as part of our podcast production? It's an absolute, like you just have to. How you use it, you can get super creative with. Again, goes back to the outcomes. You can attach attribution to it. Like you can. It just is, you just have to get really clear on what the metrics of success are for your podcast. And then you have to make sure it's set up in a way that allows you to tell the right story. All of those things are possible. That's great. I'm just trying to think of the person who goes, I'm just going to get them like and ramble. I don't know the B2B software companies or B2B companies think like that, but definitely something to just not do it without intention and, and yes. going through the outcomes of what you want the show to be. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining and giving us all those insights. I think that we covered all the questions that I had coming into building a podcast. 
And I even learned a couple things on on this episode as well that we haven't talked about yet. So thank you so much, Rachel. Appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. Awesome. Well, if you like this episode, you can learn more at chronologic.com forward slash podcast. You mentioned the Zapier podcast is like the premium example. I'm definitely going to go check that out. They also labeled us in a recent post they made of the best scheduling software for following up with leads. So give that a little plug as well for Chronologic while we're at it. And I'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Hopefully this was a bright spot in your day. You can go ahead and listen to more episodes at chronologic.com forward slash podcast and give us a five-star review and subscribe if you just want to hear more and get a bet. Yeah, thank you. Have a great day, everyone.